coaching does matter. It matters in education and any walk of life makes a difference. So ensuring that no matter where kids are growing up, that if they're passionate about sport, and I would go out of my way to say, if they're passionate about music, about dance, whatever it is, if we can get them access to good information, we're doing those kids a service. Because as we know, if, if a kid's passionate about something, that becomes the ultimate classroom for them that's going to impact their life long after they're done playing or participating in whatever endeavor that was. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Aaron Wilbur, founder and CEO of The Coach's Site and host of the Glass and Out podcast. The Coach's Site is an online resource for hockey coaches and was created to provide top coaches a platform to share their experiences and expertise with a global audience. As the host of the Glass and Out podcast, Aaron is fortunate to have weekly conversations with some of the top leaders and trailblazers in hockey. The show highlights the origins of their careers, challenges they have overcome, triumphs, and their insights into how coaches can provide an enhanced development opportunity for their players. Aaron spent 12 years coaching at the major midget, junior, and university levels in British Columbia. During this time, he captured a BCHL championship as an assistant coach with the Penticton V's in 2008, and a Western Canadian Championship as the head coach of the Richmond Sockeyes in 2013. From 2011 through 2016, Aaron traveled extensively to China working with various organizations on the development of grassroots hockey. During this time, he also produced the documentary Canucks in China, which examined the developing culture of hockey in China. Listen in for some great takeaways about how Aaron is impacting the sport of hockey and educating coaches to be the best that they can be. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the awesome pleasure of having Aaron Wilbur, the founder and CEO of The Coaches Site and the host of the Glass Out podcast. And as you all know, I love talking hockey any day of the week. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thanks, Larry. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks. So listen, I want our audience and our listeners to understand and and know a little bit about you. So can you tell us and tell them about your path to founding the Coaches Site? I mean, how'd you get here? Sure. It's a bit of a long story. I'll try and keep it short. But I had coached junior hockey and college hockey for a number of years. And in 2008, I moved down to Vancouver to coach with the University of British Columbia men's program. And at that time, I was asked to be a coach mentor for Vancouver minor hockey. And part of that role included delivering workshops throughout the season. And I was always really transparent with the coaches that these weren't necessarily my ideas. These were ideas I had stolen from coaches who were much more experienced and smarter than I was. And one day, one of the coaches put up their hands and said, hey, like, where do you get access to these coaches? How do you get this information? And I was like, I don't know. You you go out after games, you go to events and conferences and in the off season. He's like, well, conferences, what conferences do you go to? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, geez, there's got to be some here on the West Coast and did a little bit of research. And it turned out there really wasn't. So that was where the first seed was planted. The second seed was I was sitting in my office late one night 
and this ad, I'm assuming it was probably YouTube, this ad came on for this video. And anybody that listens to the Glass and Out podcast knows that I'm a huge Nick Saban and Alabama football fan. This ad came on for, uh, at the time, a DVD. Remember those? <laughs> and it was called Nick Saban Game Changers. And it was effectively a documentary on the first two years at Alabama leading up to his first national championship. So I ordered it, forgot about it. And it was like two months later, this package comes from Birmingham, Alabama. And there was this DVD and I was really captivated that I learned so much from watching it, but it was entertaining and it was engaging. And it wasn't like if you've taken a coaching course, you get a big binder and paper. And so that DVD is literally, I've got it sitting right here in my office. It's been shipped back and forth across North America and the who's who of hockey coaches have borrowed it. (laughs) And then two years later, I knew that I had an opportunity to go and interview for some head coaching jobs at the junior A level. And I just thought to myself, like, I'm in one of the best cities in the world. My son's here. I got to really, I was 30 years old. and I thought I got to rethink this. So I decided that I wasn't going to continue to pursue this coaching dream and goal that I'd had for 10 years at that point. Right. But I knew I wanted to stay involved in the game. So in the meantime, while I figured all that out, I thought I'm going to host a coaching conference in Vancouver in this summer. And a big part of it, if I'm being honest, was to get some pals together and have a few pops and catch up. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) And we did it in year one when we had... I mean, at that point, I wasn't qualified to organize a 10-year-old's birthday party. But in year one, we had, I think, 98 coaches. In year two, we had over 200 people started jumping on planes and coming out. And at that point, we thought it was still a hobby, but this is kind of a cool hobby. And that was really the genesis of how it got started. Amazing. And yeah, I mean, I think coaches and your success and the number of coaches coming out there is a testament to the thirst for information and knowledge and bettering themselves. So can you tell our listeners what the Coaches site is all about and how it works? Yeah. So effectively what the Coaches site is, we are a platform for the game's top coaches. And many of those coaches are household names. Some aren't, but they're excellent at their craft. And we give them a platform to share their experience, their insight with a global coaching audience. And when we say global, we've got coaches from 18 different countries on the platform. We work with a number of different federations from the German Ice Hockey Federation to the South African ice hockey federation to groups in Canada and the US. So that's really the premise of the site is to give those coaches a platform where they don't have to go and set up a WordPress website. They don't have to figure out Squadcast and we all know how challenging that can be. <laughs> and we make it really simple for them to make a positive impact on the sport. And, and one thing we believe in fundamentally is that if you can provide a great experience for coaches, by way of doing that, you're going to provide a great experience for the young people that play the game. So what are kind of deliverables that you have available for coaches that subscribe or are interested or thinking about it? A number. So we've got over 300 hours of video on this site. And and those videos may include Barry Trotz talking about leadership and how he manages personalities in his dressing room. It might be Bruce Cassidy from the Boston Bruins talking about the power play and presenting on that. We have a number of contributors from all over the world that provide tactical analysis of various games. And again, it might be breaking down a neutral zone forecheck in the KHL, but it also might be we have Dave Starman from Long Island and works for the NHL Network. He'll take, for example, clips of college hockey and give grassroots coaches tips on how to break those skills down and transfer them to a group of 10 year olds so they're not trying to you know right. they're not trying to teach the the new york rangers power play but they're <laughs> maybe taking small bites of that that can be applied to them so through our podcast videos articles there's a number of different mediums that we use to just to share good information yeah so it sounds like to me you really have created this community of people that want to coach and better themselves 
and better the sport of hockey and really at any age or level, really, correct? Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty cool. So if you look at our our membership on our site, we have about 80 NHL coaches on the platform. We have two thirds of, of coaches at the D1 level on the platform. But then we also have a group of volunteer parents that are just, they just want to do a good job with their kids. So it really is a cross section. And we've got our fingers crossed. We're going to go back to hosting our live event this year. But I think that's kind of a magic moment when you look out in the audience and you've got a coach that's coaching the Toronto Maple Leafs and he's sitting beside a hockey mom that's just showing up because they want to, again, give a great experience to their kids. And I think that's the best part about the community. Like when you're in that room, the level you coach at is irrelevant. Everybody's just you know open to sharing ideas and making our game better. The abundance mindset. I love it. Everybody learning from each other, regardless of the level. So what have you taken away from your experiences with the coaches site thus far? And I mean, it may be hockey related. It could be entrepreneurial related too, because this is really a business and, and now your career. So what have you taken away? Yeah, you know, a couple of things. I think one is that when we, I mean, and listen, I, I am the luckiest guy in the world that we get to rub shoulders and learn from some really accomplished people in our sport. And what I've taken away from that is that the best coaches in the world, it's, they're not wearing a mask. Like that is exactly who they are. They live their values every single day. The time and attention they put into being great leaders with the respective teams is the same time and attention they put into being great leaders at home with their kids, being great spouses. I think just learning that you really got to live your values every day and in everything that you do. And that's really important. And that's effectively, that's what makes great leaders. I think the second part is just who you surround yourself with. And for everybody listening, you know, we had some technical difficulties getting this podcast off the air. And I'm not the, I mean, we were a tech company, but I'm certainly not the technical arm. But I think just bringing in really good people, really passionate people, and then giving them the space to just go do their job to the best of their ability and stay out of their way any accolades that I get, it's really a byproduct of the people that are on our team. I say the same thing for me and my organization, same way. I'm just here. And if something great happens, it's not just because of me. It's probably more because of my people and less because of me. I think you bring up a great point. And we have a lot of entrepreneurs and business people that listen to this. And I think what you were trying to say and, and What I think you did say was a lot of these coaches are such great leaders that if it wasn't for them coaching hockey, it'd probably be them in some leadership role in some organization or some company, maybe creating a company, but they're natural leaders, at least the best of the best, right? They're just natural leaders for their teams and their organization. So if it wasn't through hockey, it might be through a business. It just so happens their outlet happens to be hockey and that's where their passion lies, right? No, 100%. And I'll add to that too. I think the other thing is just how humble they are. I guarantee you, like if you sat beside an NHL coach on a plane and struck up a conversation, I would almost suggest it's unlikely that you would learn they were a coach. Like that's the last thing that they would want to tell you. So I think just that, just how humble they are and how, I'll tell you what too, like when we start a live conference and we have the people that we pay money to come in and speak, they're the ones that sit in the audience and take the most notes. (laughs) There's no accidents there. They're certainly students of their craft. Right. So let's shift things for a minute. I mean, what do you think as somebody who's running a coach's site, the coach's site and speaking with and interacting with coaches all the time, what do you think some of the biggest challenges facing youth hockey today? It's a good question, Larry. I think it's twofold. I think one, we all appreciate it. I mean, you're a hockey parent. It's not a cheap sport. And there's a lot of barriers financially to participating. And there's a lot of those and it's a complex challenge. Some of those, like the cost of ice, the cost of equipment, in a lot of cases, those are what they are. 
What I worry, though, sometimes is that there are places in the world, and I'll give you an example. We have a series in the coaches' site called Hockey Factories, and that's how we got introduced with the profile we did on Shattuck's. Well, this morning we had a call with uh, Jokerit, which would arguably the top club in Finland, and they were sharing how much it costs to play there, and it's next to nothing. Right. Over time, they've developed a model, but the key is that they share that they prioritize that. They recognize that if they won the best hockey program, they had to make it as accessible as possible. I'd also point to the state of Minnesota, where again, it, it is a priority and their model there. It's like, if we want to produce great hockey players, we just got to make sure the best, best athletes can participate. So my point is, I think that there are models out there. We just need to get the right people at the table and we have to be open to listening. I think the second challenge in minor hockey is that I think largely due to the privatization of the sport is that at a really, really young age that we go out of our way to separate the quote unquote best players from the weaker player. And then we take those best players and we give them one experience. And then all those other players get an entirely different experience. And if we want to look at the data, we know that the places in the world that do the best job of producing hockey players, they go out of their way to ensure that generally up until the U12 level, all the kids are pooled together. They all get the same development opportunity. And then generally around 13, 14, that's where the top kids might get pulled out and they get a different experience. But a great example is, is Sweden. You know, Sweden has just under 70,000 registered players in, in total. I, I believe the USA is just recently leapfrog Canada, but each of those, you know, Canada and the US would, eat, would each have over 600,000 registered players. Sweden has 10% of the players in the NHL. Right. And, and if we saw... And we're trying to do a good job of educating people, but how they do it there is completely different than how we do it in North America. Like they literally, they don't prioritize what position you play. They don't prioritize AAA, AA. Their goal is just to say, let's get all the kids together, give them a great experience. And if we do that, not only are we going to produce better hockey players, but we're going to ensure that kids have a great experience and they're going to be lifelong fans and players for life. I agree with that. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I hear that this eight-year-old is like the phenom. And and then you find out five years later that eight-year-old's not playing anymore because they got burnt out or they weren't interested or they gravitated to another sport. And quite frankly, here, as you alluded to, my son was a product of that at about nine or 10. My older son was pushed out of the AAA area and was now a AA player. And For whatever reason, he still loves the game and he still made it to club hockey. And my saying is no matter where you are, there are very few people that actually make it to the pros. So all paths end up leading to men's league some way or or another. So it's just a matter of what path you take to get there. So I agree. I think those are a couple of challenges. But being involved in other sports, such as football with your old children, do you see some of these similar challenges in other sports too? Or are these just really unique to hockey? I mean, obviously, the barrier to entry as far as financially speaking to football or soccer or baseball, I don't think is as great. So that may not be as much of a challenge. But what about the other areas as far as specialization and things like that and separating them out? Yeah, I think those same challenges exist. And I think that all too often, regardless of what sport you play, and and, and we talk about it being the player facing, it's parent facing. And there's this, I mean, use football as an example, because my oldest played that sport. It's really easy to go in and think, oh, like we have to kind of double down at a young age and just go all in on, on this one sport. It's FOMO like, at its finest. Yeah, right? exactly. Right? <laughs> and when it comes to our kids, that's the ultimate form of FOMO. And listen, we're all guilty of that, I think, as parents. It's just natural. But if you look at a lot of the top Division One football programs like Ohio State, Alabama, they prioritize, like they will not recruit specialists like they prioritize recruiting multi-sport athletes 
because they know that once they get them in their environment, the statistics show that those players ultimately become the cream of the crop. So I think that's one thing just with the sports specialization. I think the other thing that all sports are faced with right now, and it's certainly a a challenge that we're really passionate about solving, is that depending on where you live, the coaching and level of development you might be exposed to is different. So if you're a baseball player and you live in Los Angeles, well, listen, there's no shortage of resources for you to develop. But if you're an aspiring baseball player, you might have tons of talent. And, and I'm just, I'm not suggesting that Montana is not a, a great right. baseball factory, but as an right. example, you might not get exposed to the same level of coaching and development. And, and listen, coaching does matter. It matters in education and any walk of life makes a difference. So ensuring that no matter where kids are growing up, that if they're passionate about sport, and I would go out of my way to say, if they're passionate about music, about dance, whatever it is, if we can get them access to good information we're doing those kids a service because as we know, if if a kid's passionate about something, that becomes the ultimate classroom for them that's going to impact their life long after they're done playing or participating in whatever endeavor that was. Yeah, I agree. And I think you're right about the multi-sport, right? If you have somebody, a kid who's a great athlete, right? You could probably plug and play them into almost any sport. If they're a great athlete and they put in the time, effort, and energy to whatever sport they love and want to enjoy, they can do that. So the ability to kind of open up that path to as many kids as possible, there's how many kids who are great athletes, but they're never exposed to hockey for because of price, because of geography, we may be missing out. And I had this conversation with Kwame Damon Mason, yeah. who you may know. another Soul on Ice. Yeah, Soul on Ice, big hockey guy. And he said, if you think about it, think about like guys like Shaquille O'Neal. Now, it might be awkward to have a Shaquille O'Neal on ice, but he's a great athlete. Can and you imagine about, going into the corner with Shaquille O'Neal? Yeah, not me. Yeah. I'll leave that to Ryan Reeves. You know, yeah. He might even have difficulty with that. But those are the things. If we expose these great athletes to other opportunities, I think it expands the sport and it just elevates it uh, completely. So let's pivot for a minute. You're about coaching and that's what your site is all about, the coach's site. And you kind of alluded to it. Parents start a lot of times. They're the coaches at the younger ages, especially here in the U.S., because there's not a lot of professional coaches, if you will. So somebody has to stand up and there's a culture issue there, I think. So there's a conflict that exists sometimes. So is there inherently a culture issue among coaching? And if so, Is your site helping to change that? What do we need to do to change that? Yeah, I think it all starts with, particularly the grassroots level, the importance of alignment from, you know, if it's a minor hockey association of the board of the directors, down to the development staff, down to the coaches who may be volunteers, and the parents, if if all the adults aren't on the same page of what the goals are. And and what I mean by that is that if, if a coach comes into a situation where they aspire to have a culture that's rooted in players doing their best, supporting each other, et cetera. But the expectations of the parents is all about winning. It's never going to work. It just won't. I can tell you, like there is a tremendous amount of pressure at the youth level on coaches. Where's that pressure coming from, do you think? It was interesting. The New York Times published an article last week about a website called My Hockey Rank. Yes, I read the article. Yes, I did. Okay, so this is a website that, based on an algorithm, ranks all the youth hockey teams in, in, in North America. Right. Their traffic is unbelievable. So inherently, if a team isn't in the rankings or perhaps isn't ranked where a parent, and I mean, it's funny with, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of 
really intelligent and successful hockey parents, but through that lens of a hockey parent, when they look at things, they can't connect the dots. This is an algorithm. It's worth the same price as a napkin. Right. And at different age groups, it means different things, I would think, too, right? Yeah. An eight-year-old team is much different than you're looking at like a U18 team. A hundred percent. And I think that as parents, we need to sort of step back and use our adult brains and say, okay, are we in this because we want our team to be a part of the rankings? And if so, is it the coach's fault that we're not? And I think that looking at exterior factors such as maybe the birth year in your community isn't as talented. That happened. (laughs) There's these teams now that, you know, in some parts of Canada and the U.S., you have more flexibility to recruit players from a broader geographical footprint. So there's all these factors, but but I think it really just comes back to if all the adults can get on the same page of what the goals are and they can go into the year and say, listen, like if we don't win a game, we know that there's a path to us having a successful season. I think a lot of good can come from that. I also think that from a specifically to coaches, that, I mean, listen, there is so much to learn about our game. And at the end of the day, players at the NHL level are more informed, but 10-year-old players are more informed. And they all go to specialty coaches. And I think that kids today, they know, like, it's great for you to know that if you go to a 10-year-old today and you say, hey, just shoot and hit the net. When I played, that was the level of coaching you got. It's way more technical (laughs) now. And I think kids have higher expectations. So I think that coaches really do themselves a service if they can educate themselves on how to develop specific skills and ensure that they're not watching the Philadelphia Flyers play one night and then trying to take those systems and apply it to a group of nine or 10 year olds that that they they know the nuances of how to take that and they can serve the age group or the level of player that they're working with so that they can have success. And I think that's really the key. I think if you can put players in and even young players, I think that they're acutely aware that if they're getting better and they can sense that their skill is improving, that they can sense that they're improving as a team, you're going to get a lot of buy-in that way. But as we know that kids today are, they're savvy creatures and they can see through anybody that's trying to throw smoke and mirrors at them. Yeah, I see it as a twofold problem or issue, if you will. I see one issue is you have organizations that are starved for coaches and throw people in the positions just to have a body there who aren't necessarily educated. And hopefully they'll uh, subscribe to your site and get themselves better educated. And then the other side is the parents who have these expectations where if you ask the child a question regarding winning or something like that, you'll get a much different answer from the child than you will from the parent. And I think a lot of times the parents put a lot of pressure on the kids when if they just had fun, it would help solve that whole dynamic, which ultimately is the culture of the organization, right? It's something that's a a complicated problem and hopefully they'll work towards solving it and making things better as time goes on, right? Yeah. And I'll just add that I think that one of the things that's out there now that's so valuable is that we talk about curriculum. So when your kids go to school, there's a plan when they show up at day one of grade two, there's a plan for the whole year. And that plan, I would assume that teachers refine that plan over time, this collaboration with the school, et cetera. Unfortunately, in sports, that doesn't really exist. It seems like we're always starting over. And I think that Again, just keeping it close to home, you look at Shaddix and someone like Tom Ward, who's just an amazing coach, amazing hockey person. That's where we look at and say, okay, can we go and be the conduit of working with that organization, pulling out some of the things that they're doing well, and then offering that to all associations. So essentially, they can just copy and paste and duplicate. Not reinvent the wheel. 
Yeah, and that's what I'll tell you what the, the best NHL coaches. That's what they do. They research yeah. and duplicate, and that's how they get better. One of my boys had a coach, and I love the guy. He sit down the parent meeting at the beginning of the season. And he'd sit the parents down and he'd look us in the eye. And the kids were like 14, maybe 15 at this point. He goes, listen, he goes, you guys are the ride and the wallet. That's it. <laughs> I've never, that's amazing. He goes, this rink is my classroom. He goes, you don't go into your son's math class, look through the window, bang on the glass, complain to the teacher. He goes, that will not happen here. This is my classroom. If you want to come, you feel free to sit in the stands and watch. But at the same time, we don't need you here because this is my classroom. And it resonated with me and he was a great coach and did great things. And I agree. And he kept a lot of the, like you said, setting those expectations. He set them and basically created an environment with, whereas if you didn't like it, then fine, don't worry about it. Find another place to play. But this is the way it was. And it was probably one of the best years that my son had playing was with that coach. Love it. That's awesome. You could steal that if you need it. We will. We will. <laughs> it was Jim Maritato, so I'll give him credit for it. I don't want to take it. I wanted to ask you, in light of the allegations in the Kyle Beach investigation, right? Yeah. We're going to go from something that's lighthearted to something very serious here. How do parents and players keep an eye out or look for, identify situations where there may be bad actors involved in their child youth hockey programs, right? We want to hope that every coach is great and doing the right things, but obviously in every industry, everywhere, there are are bad folks. So how do parents keep an eye out for those or and the players for that matter? Is there a way? I think so. And I I think one thing that we've learned is that sports, particularly youth sports, is a safe haven for people that have really bad intentions. And we see it like women's soccer right now is is I mean, the stuff that's coming out there is, is terrifying as a parent. I'll give you an example. And we certainly in hockey, we work with a lot of organizations that are involved in ensuring that, you know, A, when these incidents do happen, they, they come on board and, and try and educate people and, and learn from it. We work with the Respect Group, which is, you know, headed by Sheldon Kennedy. And one thing that comes out is there's, there's a great podcast. I would encourage everybody to listen to it. It's, it was done by ESPN 30 for 30. It's called Heavy Metals and it's on the US gymnastics, women's gymnastics program. And when you listen to it, you have this experience where these young girls are being shipped off to a ranch in Texas and they're in dorms and and you hear it and you're like, who would do that? (laughs) But in a lot of these cases, there's this veil of it's sport and this is my child's opportunity. And even though I might sense it's wrong, because when these things happen, you always have the parents, but like, I didn't really feel good about that, but I didn't want to let my kid miss out on an opportunity. Well, junior hockey, you're sending a kid to billet with a family that you really don't know too well either, right? Similarly. Exactly. And so I think in a lot of these instances, the red flags are there in the Kyle Beach story. He was invited by a coach over to his apartment to drink and like red flag time out. Again, I think as parents, I think frankly, it starts with just exercising the same level of caution and intuitiveness that we would have if your kid's teacher invited them out or asked them to have a private conversation in a locked room or something like that. Like we'd go to, we'd be down to the principal's office in two seconds. But if it's our coach, it's like, well, God, is is it going to affect their ice time? Because I don't, I don't, I don't want to take that opportunity. And that affect your whole life. (laughs) Yeah. And and I'm not saying that to make light of it or to be funny, but I I think that a lot of these cases, the red flags are there. And I think the other part that's equally as important is when it comes to our kids, we need to make sure that our kids know that the sport is just a sport. It doesn't define them because in a lot of these cases too, one of the first questions you ask yourself is how come the kids didn't feel comfortable going to their parents 
and speaking up. And I think in a lot of cases, because the kids perhaps have been programmed that, hey, there's been a lot of time and money invested in this opportunity. This is your career. This is your op- This is your shot. So it's really important that you just put your head down and work as hard as you can, do as the coach says, and don't create any noise for yourself or our family. And so I, I think that just making sure that there's a dialogue as a parent with your child and being able to ask questions and make sure your child feels comfortable being transparent is really important. So, but it's, there's an issue here. It's a complex challenge, but it's one that we all stakeholders need to prioritize because man, oh man, we don't want to see stories like that happen to, or incidents like that happen to Kyle Beach, but we don't want to see it happen to anybody. It's just, it was, it was great. It was heartbreaking. Agree. We have to empower our parents and empower the kids to understand and look out for those things and question them if they come up. Just like you said, if it would have happened in a different environment, facts or circumstances, you probably handle it differently. And really, we just have to educate our kids that it should be handled the same way, regardless. And hopefully they would. We're both passionate about hockey. We love it. You know, obviously we want to grow the game, get new people involved. What advice would you give to parents who may be new to hockey? I think the first one would be from a development standpoint, that you're going to show up at the rink and there's going to be these stick handling coach and all these experts and your kid's going to want to be Patrick Kane or Austin Matthews as quickly as possible. So it's easy to want to leapfrog into these specialties. But I would just say as a young parent, like the stuff that on ice looks boring, like the skating classes, like just those fundamentals, you can't invest in that enough. If you want your kid to have a good experience long-term for the game, do yourself a favor, find a coach who specializes in working with young kids. Because listen, I've been coaching for a long time. I would feel lost on the ice with a group of (laughs) six-year-olds. And I'll tell you what, a lot of the best coaches in the world would as well. So I think if you can identify a coach that just has that Midas touch when it works with working with young kids, you're fortunate and, and, and really lean into that. And again, really Make sure that those ABCs of the sport are drilled in and built into your son or daughter at a young age. And again, it's not going to be the most dynamic practice, but those are the real building blocks. And I think the other part of it is really make sure that your child is, you know, again, it is going to be so easy to blink and all of a sudden all your child's time, attention, all your financial resources are going to be invested (laughs) in hockey. Like it happens. It's a culture. It's a lifestyle. I tell people it's not a sport. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. And I just tell parents like, man, in the same way that you have a probably have a budget at home, probably you don't put your credit card down for every cruise and and family vacation. You probably sit back and say, hey, we're going to have two weeks and this is how much money we have to spend. And this is what our family is going to do for their leisure time. Same thing with hockey. Say, here's our budget. Here's how much time we're going to allot to this. We also know we're going to budget in a lot of time and resources to, you know, these gymnastics or music class or whatever and stick to that. And I think it takes a lot of discipline as a parent, but I think what you're going to find is that you're going to enjoy your time at the rink a lot more. You're going to build better relationships. And in the long run, your kid's just going to have a better experience with youth sports, period. And in fact, if they are talented, that ability to diversify, to take part in other sports and activities, that's going to make them a better player in the long run as well. So I think just going at it with a bit of a plan and sort of building up those barriers so that you don't get stuck in that rabbit hole where all of a sudden you're at the (laughs) rink seven days a week and 12 months a year, because Larry, I mean, you and I have both seen it, that you can fall into that by accident. Hockey crazy. (laughs) It's not that hard. So I've talked and I've asked other people in the hockey world the same question that I want to ask you, which is, to me, I find, and I've been growing up, when I was growing up, I was involved in a number of different sports, and I feel like hockey is a little bit different um, as far as the sport in general, et cetera, kind of what I said before, it's really a lifestyle more than kind of a youth sport to me. 
But do you think hockey as a youth sport is different from other sports? And what do you think makes it different in your view? One thing that I think is so great about our sport, the relationship you build through it. And I think what's unique about hockey is that unlike a lot of sports, kids grow up in a locker room. So they're around their friends. There's that social time. I mean, I can remember, and I mean, your kids would have experienced that when you're like eight years old and you have those 10 minutes where mom and dad aren't in the locker room tying your skates and you just get to hang out with like 15 of your best pals. <laughs> that's magic. Like that's what you show up for. And that carries on all the way through. So you have that social aspect where there's that team building aspect. Then the 10 minutes turns into two hours before the game. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you don't take it out to the car. And But I think, well, the kids are doing that by nature of the sport. You also have this environment where the parents get together. And I mean, Larry, I'm sure you've got some of your best friendships are from the families and parents that you met through your kids playing hockey. So you couple that time of the rink. And then, of course, you have the tournaments you go on to. And then, you know, the kids are playing mini sticks in the hallway and the parents are in somebody's room and they're having their fun time together. And I just think that there's something special about the nature of the sport where it really allows the players and the parents to build some really, really tight bonds. And I think also because of it's such a community-based sport that you have an environment where in a lot of cases, kids grow up together and the families grow up together. So you have these relationships that are built over six, eight, 10 years. I'll tell you what, I mean, mean, you've gone through it once and I talked to so many parents that when their kids stop playing or their kids go on to college and they miss that. That's the thing that they miss is just those relationships and that camaraderie that, that comes with. And I think that's what makes our game really special. And, and I think it's uh, such a great experience. So again, going back to your question about first time parents, I think just embrace that because it's going to be gone. Yeah, it goes. So you got to embrace it. With both my kids away, we've been spending a lot of time going to Pennsylvania to watch my oldest and Minnesota to watch my youngest. So uh, we're still getting our hockey fix. And thankfully for companies like Live Barn and Hockey TV, we don't even have to miss a game. It's amazing. And I will say this, you're the second person that when I asked that question, the first person who ever answered that question similarly to you was Rick Nadeau from the New York Rangers organization. He said that the main differentiator in his view was the locker room and that camaraderie that's built in that locker room is unlike most sports because you go to the football field, you kind of put on your pads, you run out there and you start. There's not that time three, four, five days a week where you're getting together collectively as a group and having those relationships. And I think it's a huge differentiator for sure. It's special, man. It's special. Yeah. So what are the next big things for Aaron Wilbur and the coaches site? What's coming up? Yeah, we got a couple of things. So one, we've got during the pandemic, we had a pivot like a lot of businesses did and look at how we produce content virtually. Traditionally, we did at our live conference predominantly. But so one of the things we started was called the Global Skills Showcase. So we asked coaches from all over the world to apply to be named one of the top 10 skills coaches in the world. They would produce a video with our help showcasing how they would teach a specific skill or tactic. So this is year two for us. Uh, The first year was a huge hit. We had over 170 applicants. We had 10 coaches from 10 countries represented. And so we're really, we're in the process right now of of building our shortlist and interviewing that shortlist. But that event will take place in March. And whether you're a player, coach, parent, I think that there's just so much value. And one saying how differently hockey's done in different parts of the world and how it's taught. But I think too, in just gaining a knowledge of some of these small nuances and a lot of the coaches, like it's it's specialized, like it's things, how to use your outside edge or how to leverage your top hand to, to add more velocity to your shot, things like that. So that's really cool. We're excited about that. And then I literally have my all my fingers and toes crossed as I say <laughs> this. Um, we haven't hosted our live conference since 2019. 
It started in Vancouver. We moved it to Toronto, but we're hoping that this June, it's going to be hosted at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Okay. And we wanted to create an environment where it wasn't just about the conference. We wanted a, an intimate place where the relationship building and interaction could take place after hours. So we're really excited about hopefully... It's not locked in quite yet, but we're hopeful that we're going to be able to operate that from June 15th to 17th. And in 2019, we had coaches from 14 different countries in attendance. I mean, man, if you love hockey, it's such a fun week. So we're hopeful that we get to pull that off. And Amazing. A lot of fun. We'll be pulling for you. We'll be pulling for you for sure. Hopefully by then things will settle down a little bit. So Aaron, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And we ask each of our guests the same question at the end of our show, which is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? This is the Midland Money Mindset. So Yeah, I'm an early riser. I'm usually out of the wrapper by 5 a.m. and I'll start my day. I'll check my inbox and sort of get my day set up. And, and by way of that, I generally, you know, if there's any fires burning, those are on your mind <laughs> and you start getting worked up for the day. But then my, I got a three-year-old. He usually wakes up around 6 a.m. and I'll get his bottle going. We get him out of bed. We crawl back into our bed with mom and And we usually get about 10 minutes every morning where we just hang out. And I'll tell you what, that kind of sets the course for the day of just making sure that my priorities are really clear, that whatever's going on, it's never more important than than those two people. And I think it just lets me know that at the end of the day, I just got to go do my best and the rest will take care of itself and not to get too worked up about anything else. And again, just making sure my intentions are clear. So I love that. And as you know, I'm going to tell you something, you know, it goes by in a blink, right? Next thing you know, they're 15 and tackling you in your bed and you're not getting that 10 minutes, but enjoy it while it lasts for sure. And I think that's a great way to get the day started. So we're going to have all of your contact information in the show notes, Aaron. But if listeners want to learn more about the coach's site, learn more about you, where do they go? Yeah. So if you want to follow the coach's site or get any information, uh, just look up at the coach's site on Twitter, on Instagram. You'll find us online. And just for myself, probably the best way is uh, just to look me up on LinkedIn. So Aaron Wilbur, W-I-L-B-U-R. And it's been a great vehicle. I know that's that's how we connected, but it's been great to have conversations with people and, and just really, you know, frankly, learn about the great experiences that they're having with the sport and just seeing, again, I think sometimes our game, like in all things, the negative sometimes gets amplified, but I think we always have to keep in mind that we've got a great game that provides great experiences for people and we got to make sure we highlight those as well. It is a great sport and I thank you, Aaron, for your time and taking out and sharing a few minutes with us and make it a great day. You too, Larry. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. I want to thank Aaron Wilbur for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Aaron has taken his passion for the sport of hockey and created a career around making the game better. His community is a resource that can be used by all coaches to make them better. Molding and educating coaches for sports from the youth level up is vital not only to hockey, but all youth sports. We need to have the coaches molding our youth to be the best that they can be. Aaron and the coaches site can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find him can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right 
when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.